Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Amen. Thank you so much to Brad and Peter and for the whole choir. Uh, thank you for your Sunday afternoons uh, being given to practice, and we, we appreciate that. Wasn't it great to sing praises like that? It is wonderful. Why don't you open your Bibles to John chapter 20, and today we will be reading from verse 11 <clears throat> to verse 18. John chapter 20, verse 11 to 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Lord, once again, uh, we, we come to you, and, and we, we need you. We want to hear your word. Lord, hide me. Lord, don't, don't let me try to speak and, and say things that is... is is good for the ears, but Lord, I want to um, preach your word. Lord, will your word please penetrate our hearts, starting with my own. Help us to understand and recognize um, how amazing it is that you're alive and we, are, we, we can worship you, we can relate to you. And so, would you speak to us? 
In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I would like to maybe uh, do things slightly different. Well, not, not that different. Um, after all, we are Baptists and we love the Word of God. <laughs> um, but for those of you that are uh, English teacher and are familiar with a narrative story, there is generally a setup of how a story is made of, right? And so it is set up first, and then there is a conflict, am I right? Then there is a climax, then there is a resolution, and then there is a new setup. And that's what we, those are going to be my points. This is will be how a story is being told. And John is telling us this story. And so let us look now at the setup. What is, what is the setup? Verse 11 and verse 12. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and she wept. Uh, as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. So this scene starts with Mary Magdalene, and she's still at the scene. If you look, if you read back the few verses, she had come, she, uh, John introduces her in, in, in verse 1. She had come early. Other Gospels tells us that she was not uh, by herself, but Mary Magdalene is the only one specifically named in all four Gospels. In all four Gospel accounts of the resurrection, Mary Magdalene is specifically named. Now, who is this character? Who is Mary Magdalene? Now, if you go and uh, type it on Google, there is a lot of <laughs> conspiracy. Uh, all wild theories about Mary Magdalene. Uh, regarding um, wife of Jesus, uh, she was this person that kissed him, and there are other very out there things. But w- we stick to the inspired word of God. What does the Bible say about Mary Magdalene? Well, we know from the Gospel of Luke that she, at one point, uh, had seven demons. And Jesus Christ delivered her uh, out of those seven demons. Let me read from for, for you Luke chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also came, uh, and also some woman who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Now, um, can you imagine being <laughs> that being your identifier? Um, oh, who is Mary? That one who Jesus drove seven demons out of her. And not just Luke, Mark also identifies her like that. We, we have different identifiers, uh, you know. You, you may uh, 
Who's Isaac? Oh, it's the guy with the guitar and the funny accent. Um, and But imagine being this person who is identified by, oh, Jesus is the, drove seven demons out of her. Um, some, some people have tried to draw a connection uh, between um, uh, Mary Magdalene being uh, the, the, the prostitute that washes Jesus' feet. Um, and, and that is not, there's not biblical basis for that. Uh, it, even though um, Magdala, which was where Mary came from, that why, that's why it's called Mary Magdalene, uh, was a place known for, for prostitution. Um, but that does not mean that that was Mary uh, washing Jesus' feet. We do not have biblical evidence to support that claim. But since Jesus had rescued her from this demon oppression, since Jesus had delivered her from this oppression, she had become a follower of Jesus. She had completely devoted her life after that to following Jesus. It was such a great transformation what Jesus did for her that she dedicated the rest of her life to follow Jesus, to tend to his needs. And so she was there at every moment. She was there when Jesus was arrested, she was there at the crucifixion. Look at the, in the Gospel of Matthew, in uh, chapter 27, uh, from verse 55, says, Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's son. And then later she was present as Jesus was being put on the tomb. Uh, Joseph took the body, wrapped in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. Then verse 61, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. So as Jesus is being put into the tomb, there is Mary Magdalene. She's following Jesus all along. Jesus had transformed her life and she's now devoted to him. And we know she, she wasn't alone. She came there with other women. And they came to anoint the body. Now, this is interesting because, as we just read, Mary knew that Nicodemus, along with Joseph of Arimathea, had already put spices on the body. And in Jewish custom, the, the, bringing, the anointing with, with spices was simply to, um, let's say, uh, take away the stench of decay. Now, she, the, one of the Gospels tells that they, they went and bought, and this was not cheap. They went and bought, they had seen it, that Jesus had already been anointed, uh, um, 
put uh, spices on, on the body. But then on Sunday, she comes quite early with other women and they want to honor the Lord. But you know what this also means? That Mary and the other woman, they thought that was it for Jesus. Why would you bring spices uh, to a body that is going to raise again? They thought, this is it. Death is final. Our Savior is, is dead. They came to pay respect and honor. But there's a problem. <laughs> and as they're walking to the tomb, they're thinking, um, who's going to roll away that big stone? So these, these ladies are like, how, how are we going to get, get rid of the stone? <laughs> so they see the tomb is empty. So beginning of, of chapter 20 from they, they go back to Peter and John, uh, tell someone has taken the Lord. Peter and John run to the tomb. John goes on to say, I'm faster, because <laughs> he, he says, uh, yeah, P- Peter was slower. So they run to the tomb, they check it out, and they don't know where the body of Jesus is. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So maybe she thought someone stole the body. This is kind of some kind of robbery. And Peter is confused. John, uh, John believes this is what the... The count says, but look at verse 10 for a second. After this, after Peter and John came and checked it out, then the disciples went back to their homes. So, they go back to their homes, but not Mary. Let's go to the conflict. Mary stays. Verse 13. They say to her, Woman, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus, but she did not know that it was Jesus. She... The disciples go back. She stays. Jesus was dear to her. Just, just think of a moment. She, she has she has spent time following Jesus. Jesus has become so dear to her, and she's crying. She's sobbing. The the word in the Greek indicates it's it's like a, a loud weeping. It's not a silent uh, cry. You know, there's a. Uh, Difference in in Christ. It's it's very interesting coming to to South Africa and seeing seeing different cultures 
mourn differently. Um, and, and coming from, from South America, you know, some, it was loud crying and all of that. And sometimes here in certain cultures, in the English culture, it's more, you know, uh, reserved and, and solemn. And this was, Mary was broken. She's weeping. She's crying. Jesus was her Lord. He transformed her life and she had been closely following. But now that she came to anoint the body of Jesus, the body is missing. She was following all along and now he's missing. How can this devoted follower honor her Lord by anointing the body if the body is missing? And she is asked, why are you crying? And I believe that John is intentional here. This is repeated twice. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? She's asked both by the angels and by Jesus. And I believe that John is pointing out her deep state of sadness and distraught that she's feeling. She didn't go back like the others. I, I, I can kind of picture Peter and John kind of saying, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. And, and let's, let's just go. And Mary saying, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to go. I don't know where he is. They have taken him away. You guys can go. I'm not going to go. We need to find him. I want... I want to know where they have put the body of my Savior, that one who transformed my life. You guys can go. I'm I'm not going to go. And she's, she's so desperate. And she is even willing to, to go and fetch a dead body by herself. Well, we do know that there were other ladies with him, but but here John is focusing on Mary. But you see what, what she says to Jesus. When, when Jesus asks, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She doesn't answer. She says, well, sir, if you have, if you have him, just tell me where, where he is. And I'll go and fetch the body. She's, she's desperate. Now... I don't know how how much strength she had. Don't know what size she was, but I I don't I've never tried to move a dead body, but I don't believe it's easy. And it was already decaying. It was already stinking. That's part of the reason why they were there to to anoint with the spices. But she does not care. She's devoted. Devoted. Have you ever been? That devoted to something. I mean, for four years, when Brazil plays, doesn't matter what time of of the game it is. If it's two o'clock in the morning, I will be there watching. So this is the conflict. The body of Jesus is missing. We we've had the setup. We have the conflict. Now, what is the climax? Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni. So this, the climax of this story is one word. 
Mary. Jesus called her by her name and finally she realizes who she was talking to. Before Jesus had said to her, woman, why are you crying? He, he did, she did not recognize. But there must, I don't know how Jesus said it, but it must have been glorious the way that Jesus said Mary. In one intimate way that would clearly show to Mary who she was talking to. You know, a familiar way of speaking to her that she finally understood and it's like, he's alive. He just said, Mary. You know, it's, it's that thing that you have intimacy and, and can recognize. So my parents, they have this, uh, this whistle that they do in the shops. Um, and it's to kind of find each other. <laughs> um, and so I learned, I learned that. And then in the beginning of my marriage, I, I kind of tried it with Melissa, but she can't whistle back. So, so <laughs> it didn't work. But Jesus says in a familiar way, Mentions her name in such a way that Mary, Mary is feeling exuberant and says, Rabboni. And, and this, this word Rabboni means teacher or master. Now, some in, in Jewish custom, rab or master, would be a lower degree of honor. Rabbi, it's a little higher degree of dignity. But Rabboni was my great master, the most honorable, honorable of of all. She, she realizes that that Jesus is alive, and she, I can just picture, she was probably maybe on, on her knees and, and, and crying, and and then as Jesus says, Mary, as the great shepherd who calls his sheep by their name, because Mary, she clings onto him, he wants to, to grab hold of him and not let him go ever again. One of the other Gospels speaks that the other woman also um, worshipped him. And now, we go to the resolution. Verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now, why does Jesus say this? Don't cling, don't cling unto, to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Now, one one of the commentators explains the the the, the verb is in in the present tense. So the the better translation is: Do not keep. Uh, do not continue clinging to me. So her act supposed a condition which had not yet been accomplished. 
he had not returned to earth to abide permanently with his disciples in the presence of the paraclete, the spirit, for he had not yet ascended to the Father. There should come a permanent closeness of union in his presence in the soul. But then the spirit which her act was manifesting was one which will prevent this presence. The coming of the paraclete or, or of the Holy Spirit depended upon him going to the Father. But she would cling to a visible presence and has not learned the truth so hard to learn. It is expedient for you that I go away. In other words, Jesus is saying, in, in, in a sense, it's like, we're going to have this union, but you need to let me go to the Father. I'm going to send my spirit and to to you. Don't don't cling on to me like this just just yet. But the next words are are wonderful. He says Go tell my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Go tell my brothers. This is huge. Up until now, <laughs> Jesus had not referred to disciples like that. It was friends, disciples, but now, <laughs> now is my brothers. You know why? Because now salvation has been accomplished. He died on the cross. He rose again. Now you're part of the family of God. You have been drafted in. He's my brother. God is, I'm going to my father and your father. We have been united. We have been drawn into the family of God. My God and your God. Salvation being accomplished, atonement has been made, the God's wrath was satisfied on the cross, that it is finished, salvation is accomplished, you can, you, you are now, you can now be part of the family. This is what it means for us. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means for us that you and I can call Jesus our big brother. You are part of God's family. You have been adopted. And those those that have gone through adoption or, or, or experienced something of, of that nature, it, it is much... Easier, I think, to, to comprehend. Where before, we were alienated from God. Sin had put a, a wall. There was a separation. We were enemies of God. But now, we have been bestowed an amazing love. And we are co-heirs with Christ. Amazing. Go tell your brothers. I'm going to the fa- my father and your father. My God and your God. 
That's the resolution. What is the new setup? Last verse, verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. This is an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. With an objective fact that I have seen the Lord. Jesus is alive. My eyes have witnessed Jesus Christ is alive. We don't need spices. He is alive. Our Lord lives. It is with great enthusiasm that Mary delivers this news. Now, according to the other Gospels, some disciples didn't understand. Some didn't believe. And even Luke says that it seemed like nonsense to them. This is what Mary goes and tells, I have seen him, he's alive. Now, as I was reading and rereading this text and, and the other accounts in the of uh, four Gospels, there was a question in my mind. Why Mary? Why, why did Jesus choose to reveal himself to Mary? Just uh, some observations and applications. Why Mary? It is undeniable that all Gospels are drawing attention to her. God, by the Holy Spirit, inspired His Word, and He said, well, we need to mention this woman in all these four Gospels. There is something for us to pay attention to, right? It, it's not there by mistake. She has a prominence in the resurrection. Why is that? Now, if you were creating, by the way, this is one of the apologetic uh, reasons why uh, uh, many Christian apologists would point this out to, to atheists and others that say, well, it was a made-up religion. Because if it was a made-up religion, the worst thing you could do is make a woman the eyewitness. Because in that society, at that time... Woman's testimony was not valid in court. It wasn't even, it, it had no weight. Now, if you're creating a religion, making this up, why would you put a woman to be the first eyewitness? It, it, it doesn't make sense. But I want to provide two reasons. I believe Jesus chose to appear to Mary First and and in one of the other gospels they they are are even more specific saying and Jesus appeared to Mary first 
We do know that there were other women there. But John spends all this section just talking about Mary. I believe that the first reason that Jesus chose to appear to Mary first was because of mercy. Let me explain. I think Jesus was very merciful to her. I can only, when I kind of read the interaction between the two, I can only imagine Jesus being a gracious Savior who had rescued her and transformed her. We don't know what Mary's life was like when she was under the oppression of seven demons. Now he had transformed her and she's been devoted I think that Jesus was giving her a different identifier. Not not the Mary who had seven demons, but Mary who witnessed firsthand the resurrection of Jesus. The first eyewitnesses. The, the first eyewitness. I think that Jesus was being merciful to her. Wouldn't you call that mercy? But I think secondly, because she was seeking for him. She was earnestly seeking to find him. We read, the other disciples went back. She's dead. We see this in Jesus' question to her. Who are you seeking? She was determined to seek for the body of Jesus. She's the first one to arrive and she's the last one to leave. She's not leaving until she finds Jesus. And here's, here's my point that I want to put today. And I believe that John is pointing this to us. Who are you seeking? Jesus asked this question to Mary. Who are you seeking? And I want to ask that question. Who are you seeking? Who are you actually looking for? Are you seeking just yourself? Are you actually seeking for Jesus, or you give up. You, you gave a first glance, and you walked away like the other disciples. And when we have quiet times, or, or we come to Sunday morning, are you actually seeking for Jesus? Or are we just saying that we are seeking for Him? When you say, I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying, are you actually praying? Jesus, I believe, reveals himself to her first because she would not give up. He was merciful to her because she, she kept persevering, wanting to know where is the body. 
And I believe that John is intending to show us that Jesus will be merciful and gracious and will reveal himself to those who are seeking him. And if you, if you are a believer, like you, like, like me, there are times that we feel like we lost him. There are seasons that is just dry. I feel like you're reading, but nothing is going through my thick skull. And you're praying, and it seems like you're thinking of lunch. And my word for us, and encouragement for us, For you to seek Him consistently and fervently and persevering. And Jesus will reveal Himself to you. The living Christ, He's alive and He will reveal Himself to you. He is gracious. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it will be open to you. The problem is, I think sometimes we like the other disciples. We give up too quickly. And then you become used to just a mediocrity. A mediocre life. And there's no life. It's just routine. But when we do experience... The Spirit of God, the presence of Jesus in our lives, man, He is alive. There is an objective sense to the resurrection. But also there is a subjective sense that, that you can experience the living Christ in your life. This, this past week, I went to visit one of our members who was attacked in in her home. And, and I came out of that so encouraged because um, I said to her, like, how, how are you doing? How are you even sleeping? And, and she said, you know, this first, first night I couldn't sleep. But as I was praying, the Lord gave me such peace. You know how how you, how do you stay in a home with something like that just just happens? And saying there is such a security in my life, only God could provide that. Can you see Jesus is alive? We are not making nice music here. We are worshiping a living Savior. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, I really want to urge you to repent of your sins and put your trust in Jesus Christ while he may be found. One day it will be too late. And the judgment day will be upon us and there will be terror Turn to Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Him. And it's, it's not about 
It's not about just eternity. It's about right now you can experience the reason Christ. So how would we respond to Mary's words? I have seen the Lord. Will you act and worship Him as the reason Christ or... Or will you act as if he is still dead? And you can just try to make it on your own? Or will you run to the living Jesus? Let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much that we can experience the sweet call of God just as he called Mary. Thank you for saving us, Lord. Thank you because you're merciful to us. And, and you do help us you to reveal yourself. Forgive us where we have given up too early, Lord. Oh, Lord, help us to seek you above all things, Lord. Not to seek our, our own success, our own victory. But to seek your face. To seek you, Lord. Thank you that we can both personally and as a body of Christ experience the Spirit of God with us. This union with Christ, our brother. We can worship you together, Lord. And we thank you. That is such a privilege. Lord, I do pray for the souls that are here this morning that don't know you, Lord. Please, would you reveal yourself to them, Lord? Would you call them to yourself? Would you open their eyes to see the beauty of Christ? So, Lord, even continue to bless us as we continue worshiping you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.